Welcome to another vital message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the Word. Praise God. Are y'all ready for the Word tonight? Well, let's get right into the Word then. Let's, uh, let's open up our Bibles if you, uh, if you want to follow along. You can follow along the screen as well. But we will be in the book of Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Okay? One of the books credited to um, Moses in writing uh, the, the first five books of the Bible as God dictated them to him. And he gave us a tremendous uh, uh, um, perspective on the creation. Uh, and these were, prior to them being written down, were oral uh, teachings. And they did not have to pass through very many people in order to get all the way to Moses. I mean, you think, my goodness, there was, you know, so many years there. But that's back in the days when people lived to be 900 and 969 and, you know, 930 years, 905 years. It doesn't take but like three people to span that whole, you know, uh, that, 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 that whole gap there. It's just amazing. Uh, in fact, I think there were three intermediaries between Adam and Abraham. And so uh, these, these stories, these accounts being handed down uh, from, from you know, the people who were actually there, that's just, that, that, that amazes me how the integrity of the Word of God, even the copying of it, the preserving of it, has been done with such um, a, a commitment from God to give us his word that we can stand on and we can, uh, we can know. We can under, understand how he felt about things, uh, you know, uh, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 years ago. That's just tremendous. Well, tonight we'll be in the book of Numbers. And uh, tonight we are continuing in our COTR Family Bible Study series. And tonight we're going to be talking about Balaam and the idea of plausible deniability. What in the world is plausible deniability? That means that basically when you really know, you can say you didn't know because uh, nobody can prove you knew. Okay? When you, um, you can say you didn't, mean, you didn't mean to, even perhaps when you did mean to, because nobody can prove you meant to. That, uh, that you have a plausible, you have an arguable, reasonable, you know, you can say, now I'm, I'm making up this definition uh, from, uh, you know, from what it really means. <laughs> uh, you can read and find it, probably you've already Googled, most of you have already got the definition. But it means to, uh, to, um, to intend or to know and to intend to make something happen, but you deny that you were involved. It means to, to um, know that something, uh, you know, be involved in something and be able to say you weren't because nobody can prove you were. Okay? We're going to talk about that. And my working title for this message, uh, as I was studying for the message, um, was uh, The Sin of Not Knowing. Or basically, the sin of saying you didn't know. When any nut would have known. 
Okay? Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm certain you have had occasion at some point in your life to run into somebody uh, who said, well, I, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. <laughs> and you look at him and go, hmm. Yeah, okay, yeah. If that makes you feel better. All right, well, Balaam was just that sort of guy. Okay? And so uh, we'll begin with me catching you up and telling you a little bit about the story of Balaam. Somewhere around 1,450 years before Jesus was born, Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they had been wandering in the wilderness for near 40 years after leaving Egypt. And well over a million people had come out of Egypt with Moses. And, and during those 40 years, everyone who was over the age of 20 when they left Israel died in the wilderness because they would not trust God. And so there's a whole new generation. Everyone over the age of 20 who was come out of Israel with the exception of Joshua and Caleb. Okay? Now, Moses is still their leader, although Moses is going to die in the wilderness as well. But this is somewhere prior to to um, to Joshua taking over. And so it ends up that this huge group of people, um, you know, more than a million, uh, we understand that, that 600,000 men who were armed and trained for war and experienced in battle went over into the land of Canaan with Joshua. So here we have somewhere in this wilderness 600,000 military men who were armed and trained and experienced, plus all of the women and children and the elderly. And so, you know, well more than a million people, you can imagine. That takes up a lot of space. And here this group had walked with Moses toward the land of Canaan, late in the game, and they were camped right on the border in the plains of Moab, right on the border with Moab and Midian, okay? Now, if you want to know where that's at on a map, if you look at the city of Jericho on a map, okay, it's right near the Dead Sea, and the city of Jericho is on the western bank of the Jordan River. The plains of Moab and Midian are basically across that Jordan River. On the other side of the river, uh, there, you know, uh, in, in, in what is now Jordan, the land, the, the, the nation of Jordan. And so, uh, with, with all of these, uh, you know, uh, people camped out there, and the oldest person, with the exception of Moses, Joshua, and Caleb, the oldest one of them is 59 years old, okay? So it's not like they have this huge, you know, uh, group of, of, of uh, people that have walked for 40 years. Well, the king of Moab looked out, his name was Balak, he looked out and he saw this huge group of people, these Israelites, come to his border, come to his land, right over into his land, and camped out there. And they were stretched out, and he did not know what they intended. He imagined that they were going to do to his country what they had done to others who had fought with them, specifically the Amorites. And so the Amorites were, were very capable of war, but the Israelites... 
uh, under the leadership of their God, had destroyed the Amorites. So here the king of Moab, King Balak, is afraid that they're going to do the same thing to his country. And uh, uh, he did not know how he could defeat them, but he knew that, that their God was among them. Because this million plus people, every day, food from heaven rained down on them. And they drank fresh water from a rock that followed them in the wilderness and gave them an abundant supply of fresh water. Now, that kind of would make me extra afraid of this group of people because their God rained, you know, I mean, every day rained down enough food for every one of them. Uh, it, it's, just, it's just amazing. And so uh, King Balak knew that he needed some help. Where did he turn? Well, he turned to God. Not to his God, but he turned to Jehovah God for help against the children of God. That sounds like a crazy thing to do, but there are people all, out, all over the world tonight, Christians, praying against other Christians. Oh, come on. Now, they wouldn't say against, praying for them, but they're telling God how bad that Christian is and how they need to change and all. There's a lot of people praying to God about his children and how bad they are. Don't look at me like I'm silly. You know it's happening. Okay. Some of them aren't praying. They're complaining out loud, calling it praying. Some of them just gossiping. So uh, King Balak wasn't doing anything that's not being done today here. And, and uh, 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 you know, he, he needed help to defeat these Israelites. And basically, he said, get me somebody that knows God. So, uh, you know, Ecclesiastes says there's nothing new under the sun, by the way. Uh, the devil's tactics have not changed. Either the devil is trying to get you to not like God or he's trying to get God to not like you. You know, that's, that's, that's what the devil has been doing for, you know, it started in the Garden of Eden, you know, and it continued to the cross. Uh, 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 the, 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 the devil's greatest hope is that you will curse God or that God will curse you. Hello? That's his biggest hope. Just ask Job. That's what he was trying to get Job to do. Curse God. Job's wife even said, curse God and die. <laughs> Come on, curse God. He just wouldn't curse God. You know, that's, uh, uh, so the devil, his greatest hope, his greatest desire, his greatest adventure is to try to get you to curse God or not like God, not appreciate God, or try to get God to not like you, not appreciate you, not, you know, not bless you, but curse you. And so, uh, uh, you know, the devil's tactics hadn't changed. As I said, it worked in the garden, it worked on the cross, and it is still his primary go-to. Well, seeing this huge number of Israelites and having heard about their victory, King Balak found a prophet of God named Balaam. Now, Balaam had a reputation. Balaam's reputation was well known throughout the land. Whoever Balaam blessed, God blessed. And whoever Balaam cursed, God cursed. That's what they knew about Balaam. But they also knew one other thing about Balaam, is that Balaam was for sale. 
Balaam loved money. He had a reputation of being greedy, and he loved money. He loved fame. He loved fortune. He loved power. He loved position, uh, and, but, uh, but, you know, he could be bought. Now, I encourage you to read this whole account of Numbers 22. It's a, it's a marvelous account. Um, and even if you do a simple search of the name Balaam, you'll find Balaam is mentioned 59 times in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's even in the book of Revelation. You know, Balaam is a, is a pretty prolific figure throughout, uh, you know, Old and New Testament. But for the purposes tonight, we're going to focus on just this account in Numbers 22. And uh, uh, remembering that every word in each story in the Bible is designed to impact our life. It's designed to teach us something. It's designed and aimed at making us more like Christ. And so tonight, God's Word is aimed at making you more like Christ. A simple Bible study will give us opportunity to reflect upon what, uh, what you know, uh, God did to and through others, what the devil tried to do to and through others, and will help us put ourselves in a picture so that we hopefully can be the person God hopes us to be, wants us to be, instead of perhaps sometimes the person that the devil wants us to be. So King Balak sent messengers to Balaam, to the prophet, and he said, listen, there's a group of people, they are so many, and they came out of Egypt, and they have been, you know, successful. You know, I want you to come down here, and I want you to curse these people. Well, Balaam, he said, well, just a second, let me check in with God and see if that's okay with him. So he, he, he went away, he came back the next day, and he said, God said to me, no, don't go. You know, don't you go, don't you be cursing these Israelites, okay? So he said, I cannot go. So the messengers went back home to King Balak. King Balak said, what do you mean he said he won't come? I need some help, okay? And uh, you go back and take some more people, take some more money, and take some of the princes of Midian and Moab, people who are more honorable and a larger group, and go back and convince him to come down here and curse these Israelites. And so... A larger group took more money and more prestige, more power. The princes of Midian, the princes of Moab, went to see Balaam. And they said, Balaam, you don't understand. We can make you a rich guy. He wants you to come down here. And Balaam said, well, let me go ask God one more time. So he went away and God said, well, you know, you know he, God had already told him no, but... Uh, God said, go for it, buddy, you know, but don't you say one thing, don't you dare curse my, whatever I say, you say, Balaam said, goody, so, now let me tell you a principle, there is a principle that just because God will allow it does not mean he's approves of it. Let me say that again. Just because God will allow it does not mean he approves of it. Just because God will allow you to cuss doesn't mean he approves of it. 
Oh, that was a good one, wasn't it? <laughs> Just because God will allow you to be judgmental and critical does not mean He approves of it. Just because you may think that God is, is allowing you and therefore He's approving of you doing something that He's already said don't do, just because God allows it does not mean He approves of it. Boy, that could be a whole wonderful great book. Hello? There are a lot of people tonight all over this nation and the world that think that God is approving something that He is allowing. This is one of the reasons why Jesus prayed, Not my will, but yours be done. Not what I want. Let me get myself out of the way. Because you know God would have allowed Jesus to say no. Wasn't his will, but he'd have let him off. You think? Sure. Jesus said plainly, I could call 10,000 angels. Nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down, I take it up again. I don't have to do this. I choose to do this. Well, with permission to go and instructions to keep quiet, Balaam saddled his donkey and he left with the rich guys. Headed back from Moab, had a couple of his servants with him. And, uh, yet there was one big problem. You may already know the story. The big problem was is that the angel of the Lord knew Balaam was only looking at what he wanted and not at what God wanted. And the angel of the Lord had already calculated that Balaam had listened to God but not really heard him. He had, he had uh, heard what he wanted to hear from God, but he hadn't changed. And he knew that Balaam's intent was the same. Balaam was going to down, go down, please Balak and get some money, which in the end of the story he did. The angel saw beyond Balaam's promises, and he saw Balaam's heart. Balaam was a greedy man, capable of doing anything to get what he wanted. Um, the Bible tells us that God got mad at Balaam for going. Why? Because God expected Balaam to agree with him and to want to do what he wanted, but Balaam only wanted an okay to do it. Because Balaam is looking for money. He's looking for, his, you know, feed his greedy gain. God actually, God's anger was aroused when Balaam went. Boy, doesn't that sound interesting? God will allow things. You know, God will tolerate things that he does not appreciate. There are just some things that we should not have to ask God about. Hello. Come on now. There are some things we don't need to pray about. Okay. Should I cheat on income tax, God? I'll get more money back and you'll get a tithe off of it. No. <laughs> no reason praying about that one. We should know better. God got angry because Balaam went when Balaam was not committed to obeying God. We need to listen to and agree with the whole set of instructions before we run off half-cocked. Because Balaam heard go, he didn't really hear or agree with the rest of it. 
Do you know how many times people hear only half of the instructions that God gives? They don't hear the rest of it, or they forget the rest of it, or all of it. Well, the angel of the Lord stood on the road in front of Balaam. God was upset with Balaam. He was mad that Balaam went. And so the angel of the Lord knew what Balaam was going to do. He knew he wasn't going to obey God, and he knew it was going to cost the Israelites. So the angel of the Lord stood in the road in front of Balaam with the intention of cutting Balaam's head off. Balaam's donkey saw the angel, and he turned into a field. And when he did, went out across the field and went out of the road and through the ditch and across the field, Balaam hit the donkey, struck the donkey, and to get the donkey back up in the road. How dare you? Well, next the angel took up a little more strategic position. He found a place where the road narrowed, where there was a vineyard on both sides, and there was a wall on both sides. And he stood there with his sword ready to cut Balaam's head off again, and the donkey saw the angel a second time, and he pushed over against the fence to go around him against this rock wall, and it scraped Balaam's foot on the rock wall, and Balaam hit that donkey again. Whack! You know, get back! How dare you, you know? So the angel of the Lord said, fine. So the angel of the Lord found a place and stood in the road so that there was no way the donkey could get around in this narrow place. I'm going to cut his head off. When the donkey approached and saw there was no other alternative, the donkey just laid down uh, on, 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 on Balaam, just, just went down. Balaam got so mad he struck that donkey again. Uh, seeing Balaam's abuse uh, of this kind, loyal, considerate donkey, the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. In Numbers chapter 22, verse 28 says, Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, Because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for I would kill you. Oh, Balaam is mad. You know, have you ever seen an abuser claim they're being abused? Mad, angry. I would kill it. Listen. <laughs> okay, that's not the one being abused. <laughs> I'd cut your head off if I could. No, wait, 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 wait. That's kind of the aggression of an abuser, claiming that I'm the one being abused. No, you're not the one being abused. You're the one being saved. Abusers often feel like they're the ones being abused. People who get mad and, they, and when they don't get their way, they get angry and to the point they're on, they're on their way, they have a goal, they have an agenda. It's not something that's good. It's not something that's right. It's not something that's righteous. But they want it and they don't want anybody to get in their way. They know what they want. They're going to go get what they want. And, and uh, you know, uh, angry to the point they just want to harm others, even destroy, even kill others. They have a problem and they are often the problem. If you have anger and hatred and bitterness in your heart, if you have revenge in your heart, just stop. 
take a moment and consider, is this the will of God? Consider, you know, am I just being tolerated because God loves me so much? Is God allowing something that he doesn't approve of? You see, don't mistake toleration for appreciation. When considering Balaam, I have often thought how sad it is that your best friend is a jackass. And they're the ones that are right. Hello? Yeah, I said that. That's what Balaam, Balaam's best friend was a donkey. And the donkey was right. The donkey defended himself by asking Balaam to recall just how much I have served you all my life. I have served you and served you well. I've been loyal. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and about that time when the donkey is defending themselves, uh, uh, herself to Balaam, um, God opens Balaam's eyes and lets him see the angel of the Lord. This angel was standing in front of him with his sword in his hand. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, basically, what is your problem with the donkey? If it had not have been for this donkey, I would have killed you three times. I love this story. I love the way it reads. The donkey is the only thing that has kept you alive. Numbers 22, verse 34. And Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. Because I did not know, boy, the sin of not knowing. You know, the Bible says this is what Balaam said, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that Balaam was telling the truth. I find it hard to imagine that Balaam did not know that he was going the wrong way, that he was doing the wrong thing. But that's what he said to the angel. This was Balaam's, uh, this was not Balaam's repentance, by the way. Later on, when the children of Israel go into the land under Joshua, they end up killing Balaam. They hunt him down and kill him. Okay? And then the Bible talks about how bad he was all the way through the rest of the Bible, all the way to the book of Revelation. Okay. You can claim you don't know all you want to. I, don't, I really don't know if Balaam knew or not, but I know he said, I don't. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I did not know. You know, that's, as I said, that, that, that wasn't a repentance. And there is no forgiveness attached here. God didn't say, well, that's okay, I forgive you now, my son, rise and be healed. He doesn't say that. Go your way and prosper, you know. Uh, you know uh, your, 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 your faith has cleansed you, no. This is not an act of repentance. There is a difference between saying, forgive me, and saying, excuse me. Well, this is good stuff. You know, have you ever had someone say, well, forgive me, and you know what they're saying is, shut up. Would you please quit fussing about this? They don't mean forgive me. 
You ever heard people say, well, I'm sorry. And you know, no, uh, what, you, what you're saying, I mean, I'm interpreting what you're saying means shut up. Oh, well, you just can't go everywhere and get this good preaching, you know, uh, for, uh, for, for, uh, you know, for just a quarter. All right. I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, therefore, if it displeases you, I'll turn back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll find another way to accomplish what I want to do. I have sinned because I did not know. You know, perhaps his claim was, was you know, he's got a claim of plausible deniability. You know, I didn't know. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know. No, you're not sorry. You're afraid. You got caught. You don't want to die. But you didn't take your foot off the accelerator because you saw you were going 90. You took your foot off the accelerator because you saw the lights behind you. Or the lights up ahead of you. And as soon as you pass that car and realize it's a tow truck, you're going to go 90 again. You are not sorry. That's not repentance. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Oh, good stuff. But either way, we know that Balaam sinned. He had an admission of sin. How did he sin? Well, number one, he sinned because he misjudged the donkey. That's the first thing he did. In Matthew 7 and in Luke 6, the Bible says, uh, uh, you know, Jesus talked to the people about not judging others. You never know what God might be requiring of them or doing through them or to them. So we should not be judgmental and critical of others first timothy the sixth chapter in verse four talks about having evil suspicions about others you know balaam misjudged the donkey balaam had evil suspicions that somehow the donkey must be trying to hurt me must be you know something's wrong with a donkey when all along there was nothing wrong with the donkey you know balaam never stopped to say hey buddy what's wrong what's going on i mean i even do that with my dogs hey buddy what's what what's 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 happening what's wrong i mean i i hadn't heard him talk back I got one little one that goes, but I do not know what he's saying. Proverbs 18 verse 13 tells us that it is a shame to think you know the answer before you hear everything about it. You, know, you ever, ever have somebody you know, answer a matter before they hear it? You start telling them about it and they say, oh, this is what you do. Yeah. The Bible says that's, that's foolishness. It's folly to answer a matter before you hear it to have an opinion about it, to draw a conclusion uh, based upon a suspicion of you know what they're going to say when you really don't. Uh, you know, and, and there are just some things we don't know, and we, we should not assume we do know. And that was what Balaam did. Balaam, you know, the donkey, as far as he was concerned, was standing in his way, but he had no idea really what was going on. Uh, and, and we should not be judging others and, um, you know, especially like this donkey when they are doing the will of God uh, but it's hurting our feelings but it's saving our life Balaam really could not claim that he didn't know that he was wrong Balaam had a problem with greed he knew he did he knew what motivated him 
He really did. And uh, the donkey had been loyal all of his life, and Balaam was simply aggravated. Balaam, you know, should have realized, I'm the one that's aggravated, I'm the one that's irritated, and I'm irritated and aggravated about everybody and everyone and everything. Once you find out that you are irritated and aggravated about everyone, everybody, everything, then let me tell you what, you probably have an aggravation problem. It's probably not all those other people. It doesn't mean there aren't things that are worth, you know, uh, us being, you know, unhappy about. But it does mean that we really do need to check in and make sure that, that we're not just, you know, like Balaam, wanting to cut somebody's head off because we're not getting what we want, especially when what we want is not really all that good. Uh, Balaam sinned as well because he focused only on what he wanted. Uh, Jude the 11th chapter, excuse me, Jude the 11th verse, it's only got one chapter. The 11th verse says that Balaam was greedy of gain. You know, everybody else knew this about Balaam. Isn't it a shame whenever everybody else knows something about a person and that person doesn't know it? How did Balaam not know? Everybody else knew he was. I mean, that's why they went up to get Balaam, because they knew Balaam could be bought. That's why they went up and offered him money. That's why they came back and offered him more money. Listen, if, if, if people are trying to buy you, you may want to say, do people think I can be bought? 2 Peter 2.15 shows us that Balaam was willing to compromise his integrity. 2 Peter talks about Balaam. He was willing to compromise that's what everyone knew about Balaam. A, a third thing about Balaam, and a third thing that Balaam sinned uh, about is Balaam, Balaam sinned because he did not cover God's chosen. You see, the children of Israel were chosen by God. And although Balaam ended up going down to where Balak was, the king of Moab, and Balaam refused to verbally say anything that would curse the children of Israel. But he said, I can't curse them. God's blessed them and whom God has blessed. You know, I cannot reverse it. You know, and he said good things about them. And then he went off in private with the king of Moab. And he said, come over here, king, and let me show you what will happen in days to come. And then the Bible, in the rest of the Bible, tells us the story, what Balaam did. Balaam said to the king of Moab, listen, king, I cannot curse these Israelites. God told me not to. But, you know, if you were to move some Midianite prostitutes in tents really close to them, and, uh, you know, uh, music and and alcohol and fun and games, it wouldn't be long until some of those Hebrew guys would go over to the Midianite tents to do a little trading and they would, you know, buy some prostitutes and, and they would end up, you know, uh, you know uh, sinning. And here's how you defeat the Israelites. You get them, you tempt them, and get them to sin, and that's when their God will stop blessing them. So I can't curse them, but here's how you get them to curse themselves. And that's why the Bible says that Balaam taught Balak, the king of Moab, how to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. 
so he could get some money. So he could end up helping the king of Moab to defeat the Israelites. And God ended up sending a plague among the Israelites because they did exactly what Balaam knew they would do. Wow. He uncovered their weakness. He uncovered their, their, their Achilles heel. He, he, he uncovered what it would take to bring them down. Don't consort with the enemies of the people God's trying to use and bless and encourage. Don't talk bad about other Christians. Don't give voice to the enemy of their souls, the enemy of God's hope. You know, Balaam did not technically disobey God, but God counted it as sin. Balaam had plausible deniability. I didn't curse them, but yet they were cursed. Plausible deniability. Uh, you know more about what it takes to defeat a believer, a Christian, a family, a church, a business. Whatever God is blessing in your life, in someone else's life, in a family member's life, in a co-worker's life. You know more about how they can be defeated than anybody else. Don't begin to share that with others. Don't share the weaknesses. Ham uncovered the nakedness of Noah. And Noah was the one that was drunk, but Ham uncovered him. And God cursed him and his descendants. That's the number one thing the devil's trying to accomplish. He's trying to get you to stop liking God or trying to get God stop liking you. Wow. Thanks again for joining us for another relevant word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.